Hi, this is entertainer Jeff Savilico, and you are listening to Podcast of Thousands. Hey, yo, you are listening to the Podcast of Thousands. Late night talk, showcasing performers, and last time, with Zero the Budget, here's your host, Mikey P. Welcome everyone, I'm your host, Michael Panessa, and this is the Podcast of Thousands, where we showcase performers, from actors to YouTubers, and everything in between. Just a reminder, we're Podcast of Thousands on... Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Google Play, YouTube, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spreaker, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Google Plus, and Tumblr. If there's a there, there, Podcast of Thousands is there. On tonight's show, we'll have guest actor and comedian Will Roberts. Is there a problem, soldier? I'm asking you a question, Lieutenant. Commander, target was eliminated. Simulation complete. Suit up. We deploy at 1,300 hours. Copy, sir. Lieutenant Vin, this is a class five target. Maddox has to be eliminated at any cost. Understood? Yes, sir. And music by indie rock alternative band Social Gravy. But first, and now, Moments with Michael. To no avail, I've been trying to get God on my podcast, as he is thy ultimate performer. Here's a little prayer in hopes of changing his mind. Our Father, who art on Facebook, hallowed be thy page name. Thy followers come, thy will be liked. On earth as it is on the interweb. Give us this day our daily post. And forgive us our comments. As we forgive those who comment against us. And lead us not into a flame war. But deliver us from smite. Amen. And that was Moments with Michael. And now I'd like to welcome our guest, actor and comedian, Will Roberts. Welcome to the show, Will. Hey, brother. How are you? Excellent. How are you? You know, I'm pretty good. But as I have told you off the air that I had a little uh, thing with laryngitis, maybe because I'm screaming too much at my kids or (laughs) too many auditions. I'm not sure what it is, but uh, neither are bad. I should have laryngitis more often then. <laughs> <laughs> I did leave out uh, cowboy. That's a big one, yeah. right? You're a cowboy. Before yeah. we get into your uh, career and other stuff, what, what, why the affinity to westerns and everything cowboy? Well, actually, it, I have a, a an about a roundabout way that I got to the cowboy stuff. And that is that it, I, it's not a typical thing that I thought to myself, you know, when I was a kid, although when I was a kid, you know, I was uh, in Illinois and I was really big into Westerns, like anybody kind of my age range was. 
what actually happened to me was I was working in California, in central California, Salinas, Monterey area, and I was the Fox Kids Club host on air for about seven years. So kind of couldn't go anywhere without a hat and glasses on, that type of thing. Uh, and I was Fox Kids host. Well, I had also done 20 years of musical theater, and they came up to me at a very large repertory theater, Western Stage, and said, you know, last year you did Singing in the Rain and the Cosmo Brown, which was my dream role, um, which is Donald O'Connor, my hero. And, you know, I said, yeah, I'd love to do it. And they go, well, next year we have a show called Will Rogers Follies. And uh, knowing anything about him, I went, of course. I had done Oklahoma, and, you know, I ride and I roped a little bit, but I said, I'd love to do it. Well, kind of fall in love with the, um, the Will Rogers philosophy, which was, you know, always look at someone from their side of the, the, you know, the street in their boots and all that fun stuff. And I really found a really deep connection with the philosophy of Will Rogers. And lo and behold, kind of fell in love with that part of it. And in the process of doing that, I'll say 18 to almost 20 years ago, I picked up my rope again and started trick roping because that was what I, you know, one of the staples of Will Rogers. Actually, the main thing is, is that he was one of the or the best American trick ropers in the world. And he was a humorist back in the 20s and 30s, you know, with sayings like never met a man I didn't like. And uh, I'm not a member of any organized party. I'm a Democrat. You know, some of the things <laughs> that now, yeah, some of the things now that really only come up with uh, journalists. A lot of times they'll quote a Will Rogers thing, but, you know, and I fast forwarded to me doing it and um, I, I kind of redid it a little bit like never met a human I didn't like. And instead of all I know is what I read in the newspapers, I would commonly say in my syndicated um, column or uh, radio things, I'd say all I know is what I read on the internet. You know, this was like seven, eight years ago. And now fast forward to now and it's like you hear fake news and you hear, you know, all I know is what I read on the Internet. And it's kind of a joke because I believe a lot of people have gotten their information off of Uncle Harry's blog. And it may not be true. But anyway, fast forward to that. And um, I wound up consequently somehow becoming one of the best trick ropers and uh, a Guinness World Book of Records gun spinner. However, when I did go after the Guinness World Records, I did uh, have a rope um, feat that I was trying to accomplish, but it was 107 degrees in Calico, ghost town. And after the first time, they're, they're from England. They said, you know what, mate? I don't think that's going to work out. You're going to die out here. So of course, I sound like I'm from Australia, but that's the cold. <laughs> but anyway, um, I still got the gun spinning record, which is holstering my gun, real six shooters. And by the way, they won't let you say that on the program. They kept saying, oh, his modified fake prop movie guns. They're not. They were real. Oh, was this televised? Yeah. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a big, it's a half hour show and I'm the main feature that they, that they shot on me getting the world record on holstering my gun. So, uh, lo and behold, through all this, um, quest to sort of, um, go on my goodwill tour and get people to start talking again, I became a, um, a pretty, I guess you could say pretty well-known cowboy, got a life achievement award from a cowboy organization. I'm now recently in the last several days have been, um, I'm now one of the spokespeople for the national day of the cowboy. 
So, you know, uh, I, I now not only live, eat and breathe it, but uh, I have a couple of monikers that I can uh, spout. So let's uh, let's focus on the Guinness World Record. So most times to unholster and holster a gun, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to actually the trick was you had to or not the trick, but the uh, what you had to do was pull the six shooter out and they weigh about two and a half, three and a half pounds. And if you've ever spun a gun, it's not that easy. You had to pull it out, spin it back in, holster it, hand away, pull it out, spin it out. And the world record was 30. And um, I got 44. So I make the joke that people go, oh, so you're not, you know, how uh, can you shoot? I go, yeah, I can shoot real well. (laughs) But uh, they go, oh, well, your record is not for fast draw. I went, no, I'm not good at drawing it. Uh, You know, I'm not the top in the world. I can drawing it and shooting it. I'm the best at putting it in the holster and running. So, you know, at retrieving. So uh, if you look up on GuinnessWorldBookOfRecords.com, I think it is Will Roberts, you'll see my world record there. Nice, nice, nice. So how do you know, how do you know you're ready for the attempt? I mean, how does that, how does that, how do they, how do you get a hold of Guinness? How does that, how did that all line up? They got a hold of me. They actually called me and said, look, um, saw your stuff online because, you know, I had worked for Cirque du Soleil for several years, you know, three, four years. And in doing that, uh, I knew that it would raise my awareness of, you know, what I do and the Western arts that I do. And consequently, one of the things that I had tried originally when I started this whole, you know, want to be a cowboy thing is that uh, I, I was trying to emulate and have emulated the life of Will Rogers, certainly not to his fame. Because in 1935, I think, which is the year he died, he was like the top box office movie hit uh, along with Shirley Temple, which they did movies together. But the point is, is that um, he did the Ziegfeld Follies. And I knew that in order for me to reach the level of the Will Rogers, I needed to do similar things. And so I was uh, became a syndicated humorist, which I still am. And I do my daily cartoon. Uh, which you can see on my Instagram account, of course, which is Will Roberts Actor or Today's Cartoon. And I also uh, basically made sure that all of the things in line that I did, since he did, what do you call it, uh, Ziegfeld Follies, I wound up getting called by Cirque du Soleil and went, wow, that's kind of like a modern day, it is a modern day Ziegfeld Follies. So I was excited after them getting through 350 people, uh, being the one of uh, two that they picked and the other guy they picked is phenomenal. Good friend of mine, Luke Rollins. Uh, and I, it was just him and I, so it was cool. How long did you perform for Cirque? About three and a half, I think three and a half. It was about 1300 shows, two shows a night, five days a week at the Aria on the strip. That was a lot of fun. I have lots of friends in Vegas and, you know, definitely got lots of calls because of the recent incident there. But, and I have a 702 phone number because I go back there a lot and either do keynote speeches or my shows. I also work with the PBR, the Pro Bull Riding Tour. So a lot of times I'll be in that and I'll be there for this year's NFR, which is National Finals Rodeo, doing stuff. So, you know, I still go back and forth. So you were the cowboy trick roper, right? You mentioned that. Yeah, cowboy trick roper. How hard was it to get in the show? You have to audition, right? Oh, well... What you technically had to do for them, which was weird, is they just wanted a demo. And then two years later, they contacted me and said, okay, you're one of the 
last 45 or 50 or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I said, great. And they had already picked my friend Loop because it was a solo act, but they wanted a backup. And so consequently, they said, send us by this date, which is about five months later, they said, send us a, um, a video of you roping and doing your thing. Well, my wife uh, is amazing. Uh, she and I we had my company, my cowboy company, we're traveling all over the world, Singapore, Japan, all kinds of places. And she said, well, we, we got to get you ready and in shape. Now, I'm in shape anyway, but I did like prison in shape. <laughs> and we worked, I worked five hours a day. And I'm at the time I was 46 years old and literally got me six packed. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. And, but I mean, I, I'm kind of like a bird anyway. Um, it's a little bit different now. I'm 53 now, but still I, you know, I, I do stunts. I'm like, you know, it's what I do and all the cowboy stuff, but we worked really hard and she put a plan together and we eat real healthy anyway. I'm kind of a, you know, whole foods or, or, or we call whole paycheck type of guy <laughs> to make sure all the stuff going in, in my body correctly. And I have been for quite some time. I haven't, I don't think I've eaten at a fast food restaurant in about 20 years, but point is we worked real hard. And then I videotaped, which I do real well because I worked for Foxy. So I'm a, what we call in the news industry, a one man band. I shoot, edit and host. So I shot a really great video out there and they got it. And about six months later, they said, uh, you're the other cowboy. Come on in. So we went to Montreal. And at the time when I got there, I was actually the backup, which basically meant out of the 10 shows a week, I was going to do two. Oh, wow. Just two. Because the director, who was Vincent Patterson, who did uh, Vogue and Smooth Criminal with Michael Jackson, he was the director and basically came up with this wacky cowboy cartoon type of thing where we were wearing masks. And I had to study because I remember going to Montreal and being there for like three months. And I was in there just like at the time, all these 85 other artists came up to me and going, dude. You're like night and day. What is the story? I'm like, you guys are in your 20s. I'm in my late 40s. What do you think? And plus, <laughs> I love this. And so, you know, uh, we worked real hard. And at one point, the show was mounted and ready to go. And Cirque du Soleil has this thing called the Lion's Den. And what happens is Guy Liberté came with his eight or 10 people, sat in the audience, which, by the way, was a 2,000-seat theater and a $180 million show, and said, okay, let's see the show. Well, we did it, and literally right afterwards, he said, uh, the team said, everybody meet in the physio, which was the big gym and the physical therapy physio, Mm -hmm. uh, and they're Canadian. Anyway, uh, so we met there, and all 85 of us. And he went, well, 90% of the show is going to be cut and changed. What? And we we opened uh, four weeks later, a month later. He said, uh, there was a lot of confusion. I don't get it. And $180 million show has got to be the best. It's Elvis Presley. It's called Viva Elvis. And so he said, I'm cutting some of these acts. And we're like, oh my God. So myself and the other cowboy became what we call dead man walking because they had 35 acts in the show and we were one we were two cowboys with about six cowgirls who were beautiful who were dancers like some of them were you think you can dance winners you know they were that good Mm -hmm. and he basically went through all the different acts and went 
okay, so now the Cowboy Act. And I'm just sitting there going, man. And my my partner, who is the lead, basically said, oh, my God, I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. We're going to get fired. And I, I got this job. I mean, this is like we gave up everything. So this is all happening in front of you? I mean, this is all. Yeah. Oh, yeah wow. He said, um, basically, the act, it really kind of don't know where it's going. I don't like it. It doesn't work. But <laughs> they, the audiences, for some reason, out of the 35 acts, it was probably the second, once it was redeveloped, it was probably one of the second number two uh, act in the show because it was cowboys. And we spun, cow, uh, we spun Kevlar fire ropes. We had whips. We were um, spinning guns. We were spinning regular ropes. We were we were doing things that no one had ever done before, like handing each other each other's ropes and still spinning them. Well, Guy Liberté said the the act is just not good. It's not going to work. So he points to me and he goes, "I know you're the backup, but I, I have news for you. What's that?" And he goes, "You're no longer the backup. You two are now a duo." <laughs> what? Nice. Yeah. So nice. all my work and the training, because the guy that I was working with, my friend, is literally the best in the world. He's he was on America's Got Talent. He's amazing. So I knew and I had a very short amount of time that I had to literally be at his level to be able to do this act together. And then a couple of times he left because they had a baby. So I did it solo. So I wound up in the three and a half years becoming eh, pretty darn good at a rope gun and a whip. Very cool. Very cool. And, yeah. and Cirque is a pretty awesome organization to work for. Well, if you're one of the 5,000 that have been cast in their shows and work, that's not big odds. Yeah. I would say it's probably the best organization in the world to work for when you're in regards to doing what we do. Because, you know, first of all, as a specialty act, we were treated very well and paid well because we were doing two shows a night. And I was also doing 70% of the, the rest of the show because of my background in musical theater and I danced for years. So I was working hard. I wanted to be, I'm like, I'm not going to sit backstage and they go, that's why we hired you because we knew you had all these other skills. Like I'm a, a really good quad skater and I dance and so on. So they stuck me in a lot of the other numbers, which was great. And my partner's like, I don't, I don't want to be in any, I just want to be in that one. Like sitting backstage two shows a night and only doing a five minute cowboy number, I would kill myself. <laughs> so they uh, redeveloped the show, put me in a bunch of other stuff. And then ultimately, before the show closed, I wound up becoming one of the MCs with the dialogue and having some bits in it, which was my forte. So it was fun. I know I've swept through a bunch of different things and you wanted, <laughs> but I hope you don't mind. You covered a, a lot of the items on my list. Uh, this this interview could have been things you don't do, and we would we would have had we would have had enough time. But uh, I'm afraid we're not going to have time for everything that you do do. Oh well, well let's get through them. <laughs> All right, let's talk about acting. So is that is that your primary focus today? Yeah, well, I, I would say that's always been it. You know, I started off in the very, very beginning of my career, and I'll pull out my deck now as a as a magician. And when I started, <laughs> yeah, everybody laughs. Now, listen, you can hear them in the background. I'm just, I'm just calculating all the different things that you do. Yeah. I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, you know, it's very funny. People always say, you know, it's a jack of all trades, master of none. Well, I've managed to master a couple. And let me just say that as a performer, I think if, if I was going to give any 
pearls of wisdom to your listeners. I always tell this to people all the time as I say, learn as many things as you can because then your odds of making it and purely working become so much better. Because you know what? When I'm not acting or I'm not uh, doing a keynote speech or I'm not in a film, I can also go and do a cowboy gig and spin a rope or I can, you know, coach people on a set on how to do weapons. You know, there's a lot of things I do. I'm a radio guy. You know, I shoot at it and all that stuff. But the thing is, is that most performers go, well, I'm an actor. Well, I am too. But the bottom line is, is that if you have these skills, like many of the shows I've done, uh, uh, we'll talk about this in a second. The Netflix film I have coming out called Old Matador, or in America is called The Killer. Uh, originally, I was called, and it's huge. It's going to be out in 190 countries. I'm one of the main bounty hunters. I try to kill the lead all the way to the, literally, spoiler alert, to the second to the last page. Now, nice. but, but the point is, I originally was called because they said to me, and I'm holding a butterfly knife now, they said to me, we have got these, uh, this film, it's big, and we want you to coach our people, like the guy we want to play a role named Gringo, which is the guy who plays Machete, what's his name, Trabado or something like that. Trejo. Trejo, yeah. They, we, we're trying to get him. I said, oh, okay, cool. So lo and behold, as we're doing this, I said, well, knives, guns, ropes, I can do it via Skype, whatever. So we started talking and, and I said to him, I go, well, one thing I have to tell you that my prerequisite when I coach on a film or a commercial is I try to have you see if you can cast me at all. So he says, okay, but if I don't like your stuff, I went, if you don't like my stuff, you don't like my stuff, but look at it. Well, he looked at it and he goes, uh, can you read this? And I did. And he goes, um, I'm casting you as gringo. I went, well, that's good. Cause I am a gringo. And the cool thing was I didn't have to learn how to spin a knife, uh, shoot a gun in a very clever way to kill someone, uh, rope someone and tie them down and kill them or anything else, a machete, because I had it in my bag of tricks. So that's kind of my thing. I tell everybody, learn everything you can. So all the, all the roles that you play, are they typically somebody that possesses and shoots a gun? You know, that's funny you say that because I've spent 25 years easy being a physical comedian. I told you about Singing in the Rain, uh, Cosmo Brown role. Uh, I was the I did British farce for many years. I did British farce. And that is you have to have seven doors are always opening and closing. And there's always a guy falling over and hitting himself in the head. And that was me. So it's really weird because in the last 10 to 15 years, because of my my weapon skills, I can't get away from being the guy that I can't get away from the Daniel Craig because people go, oh, you know, kind of look like him. I went, oh, OK, cool. So now I can't get away from killing people. <laughs> You're typecast. Huh? That's not a bad thing. In this, it it in is this case. not a bad thing. Yeah, it's case. not a bad thing. Yeah. All right. So so as an actor, let's I want to talk about uh, something in the news. What are your thoughts on this whole Harvey Weinstein thing? What are you, what are your Harvey, Harvey Wallbanger? Oh, Harvey wait, that's wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you know, it's pretty simple. I, I don't, I'm not going to judge the man because I mean, if he is absolutely proven wrong, yes, then I believe he's kind of a piece of dirt. Uh, see, the thing is that in being in this industry for 35 years, what I do know is, is that it originally started with what, I mean, from when I was in 82, the casting couch, you know, mm -hmm. you heard about that yeah. male and female, by the way, 
male and female. And, you know, I was blonde, blue eyed, danced and, you know, I was pretty fit and had a lot of times where people would say, you know, you could, you know, if you just want to. And I'm like, yeah, you know, not interested. But, you know, women have had it so much worse. I would say that his train of thought uh, about because I heard an excuse at one point saying, you know, back then. Well, that's kind of like how we said it. You know, that's the, here I go, air quotes, the locker talk. Well, guess what? That's not true at all. I mean, you're a guy. I'm a guy. I've talked to many guys on my show and in person and said, what do you think? And they go, well, same thing I think, which is, look, there's a difference between going, wow, dude, she's hot. Mm -hmm. I would like to, oh, wouldn't it be great to... But you know what? There's a difference between that and actually doing. And I hate to bring him into the conversation, but Weinstein probably, if he wanted to get off scot-free and what he did, he probably should have just run for president because that seemed to work <laughs> for our president. Oh, good, good segue. So do you think do you think anybody that voted for 45 has the right to complain about Weinstein? No, I think they have the right to carry a 45. Uh, um, no, they, you know, the unfortunate part is the president calls what we all do in a way fake news. When in reality, he's just shifted the, uh, the way that we look at facts. And I don't like sometimes social media and I'm a social media guru and, you know, I'm a media person and I don't like it sometimes because we all focus on the, you know, if it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead. I get it. I worked in news, but the problem is, is that now everything said is unfortunately being ruled out if it doesn't favor him. And I'm being a little one-sided, but I, I believe that his voters will then go, yeah, see, this guy, you know, same thing as our president. But the problem is that, that Mr. Weinstein's a liberal, from what I can gather. <laughs> yeah. So that, unfortunately, has been under attack. You know, interesting point uh, is, is that I was watching uh, when I was in the gym, watching uh, Tucker Carlson on the TV. Nick couldn't hear anything, could read it below. And he spent the whole time I was watching it talking about the fact that uh, Weinstein, the cover-up about the story, and how he hung out with all of the Hollywood elites and all the liberals. And I thought to myself, this is just disgusting because it's not really talking about the real matter, yep. which is women are the real matter. And now, you know, unfortunately, they're coming out now in regards to being treated badly as our president has squashed the equal um, pay bill that President Obama put in place. Uh, so it, it's kind of a tough one. I don't know how, number one, Weinstein's going to play out. Most likely, he's just been the catalyst or the person that is now allowing us to look at our industry a little differently, which we already knew. So, you know, what is it? What did his voters think? I couldn't give you a clue, but it might involve spaceships and conspiracy theorists. <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised you're concerned about Fox News. Like it's only it's obvious they wouldn't be able to handle this kind of a story correctly. Right. With all the troubles that they've had. Yeah. Well, I would say, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's a good point. I would say that 
I would say that a lot of people would have a hard time doing uh, getting all these stories out correctly because nowadays, and like I said I, in my humor column, I think that we've changed from the United States of America to the I am the States of America, me, me, me. So that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. The fake news thing, uh, every time it comes out of his mouth, I I just, I, I cringe and I can't, and I there are people, like you said, that will believe it, will believe anything he says. You can't call recordings of him in speeches fake news no i mean he'll he'll claim things that he said he hasn't said and and it's just <laughs> it's just it's just crazy that yeah we have we have people among us that uh believe every, yeah. every word well the problem is the real quick problem is because i know you probably have to close out is that the problem is is that you know we used to heroes people go do you think there's any heroes anymore and i would i say to you it, Yes, if you've got a good marketing budget and a PR person, because, you know, nowadays it's really about the contracts you hold, you know, your star quality, meaning how many followers you have. And, you know, when you think about the fact that the president is running the country in his, you know, uh, restroom on Twitter, uh, it's kind of sad when you think about it, because we're not we're no longer having conversations with each other we're having them at each other and i i just don't know about about you but if you tried talking i say this to everybody try this exercise try doing some of the things that happen on social media while you're standing and doing this really clever thing called conversation <laughs> that is that is uh, very uh, not common anymore along with common sense that ain't so common anymore is try to talk to someone and behave the same way you do when you're irate on uh, Facebook or Instagram. It will cause you to have a quick divorce or a quick <laughs> marriage or a quick uh, friendship because yeah. we no longer we no longer want to hear the other person and listen to them. We now just want to get out what we have to say because there's a big three-letter word, not very complicated, called ego. And that's the problem with our, our president right now is ego. Yeah, when we all have tunnel vision with uh, being able to customize our feeds to what information yes. we want to want to see right. and not see. Yeah, it's sad. You are what you eat, and you are what you feed. Wow, that's a great one. You just made me come up with that. Yeah, write that down. That's good. I'm good. It's sad, but we're gonna get we're gonna get back to funny here. We're gonna get back to funny okay, here. Let's do it. Well, I thought that was hysterical. I... <laughs> <laughs> Woo! So I quiz my guests. Yeah, good. All right, you ready for a quiz? Yes, sir. Okay. I want to see how smart cowboys I, I are. I know nothing. I know nothing. Uh, this ahead. is how smart are cowboys. So. Is my wife around? Can I, can I, do I get to call her if I don't have an answer? <laughs> no, no, no. No phone a friend on this show. Um, okay. I think this is, this. it's going to be simple. It's going to be more of education for me and my listener than, uh, than anything here. So first question, there's three. What are chaps, but more importantly, why are they worn? Basically, there's a couple of things. Uh, chaps or chinks which are shorter than chaps. Oh boy, you got you got alternate terms for it. All right. Yeah, well, All they're right. different. Chinks are short. They only go up to about your calf. Okay. And the uh, other ones go all the way down. And there are different. There are bat wing chaps or there are shotgun chaps. So basically, because your leg, several reasons that I know of, because your leg is exposed, if you pull a gun out and you shoot down the side of your leg, uh, not that it's going to, you know, save your leg from a bullet. But I know that in the past that I've, if I've done a trick that it saved my leg. Also, 
if a horse, you know, you're getting on a horse and your inner thighs and everything, it protects your uh, inner thighs and your legs from getting too beaten up. You know, it's kind of a all-purpose sort of thing that when you're working on a horse, whether you're shoeing it, shaw, shawing a horse, um, then you want to make sure that your leg is protected. And that is one of the ways of doing it. Kind of an all-weather thing that um, it protects your legs. Ding, 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 ding. Yep. That's not why I wear them, but uh, that's a different oh, story. Wow. Yeah, but you don't wear pants underneath them, though, either. Oh, I'm sorry. Shouldn't I have told people that? Have you talked to my wife? I'm sorry. Like that. <laughs> or my neighbors. Or my neighbors. Neighbor. Neighbor. All right. Number two. Number two. Do you own spurs and what are they used for? Yeah, um, I do own a pair of spurs from 1906 or something. I bought them a long time ago. They're really cool. And I wound are you up that replacing- old? Yeah, I said I bought them from there. I didn't buy them that at that time. Oh, okay, all right. I'm 105 in dog life, I think. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, I have these really great old spurs I bought because I've been to almost probably been to every state other than Alaska. I haven't been there twice or three times because I traveled with my Goodwill tour. And the name's Will. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, <clears throat> so basically uh, I picked these up in Montana or something like that. And the cool thing is I removed the rawl or the little uh, wheel in the back. Um, and I put a silver dollar from a casino that I went to and did something. So it's kind of cool. And it's smooth. Now, you can have it smooth. You can have it pointy. You can have them big. You can have them small. Basically, what spurs are for is to control the horse. It's you, it, you put it in the hindquarters to move it along. You can spur them. If you're riding a bull, because I'm one of the top mechanical bull trainers, you can spur the bull to get the bull to, you know. And when I say that about the mechanical bulls, if you look up on Boston Globe or Men's Fitness, you'll see my article. I was written up on being how to ride a mechanical bull. You've buried the lead. You're a mechanical bull trainer? Yeah. I trained Beyonce. <laughs> Shut up. I did. I trained. Look at Sugar Mama, the, the video. That's my work. I'm actually controlling the video when Beyonce was on it. You and trained when she Beyonce fell, on a mechanical bull. Sir. And when she fell on the mat, 30 people came running to her. And I went, let her go. She Let that girl get up and do it. And she's like, let him do his job. I'm like, get up there and get her done, girl. And she got up there and literally was doing like almost gymnastics. She did a great job. It's called Sugar Mama. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Okay. Third one. Third one. What's a (laughs) what? That's great. What's a wild rag or mascada? Um, You know, I I, I know of like a wild rag to be like, uh, have you ever seen the movie um, Tombstone? Mm -hmm. You have seen it. Okay. Uh, So basically, uh, if you look at like the sash that, uh, that the cowboy wears, if you wear one around your neck, like if you look at my pictures, you'll see that I've got a always have one on. Roy Rogers wore a teeny little one uh, that was just a little. It wasn't even. It's a scarf basically that you wear around your neck, and if you're sweating or whatever, it kind of absorbs it. Also, if you're robbing a train, you can turn it around, pull it up on your face, and rob the train. Ah, yes. Uh, yeah, just to make sure you don't uh, push it up where the two ends come down and try to hide your face because it's really thin and won't hide anything. Anyway, uh, wild rag is pretty much, uh, it's a scarf that goes around our neck. Yeah. Very cool. Yep. Yep. Didn't realize that. Yeah. The, they could, it definitely, they use them to uh, cover their faces up in yep. the, uh, yep. 
Yep. Oh, awesome. Very cool. Very cool. And if you're, and if you're bleeding or you're, you get your finger cut off, it's a, like I, in this movie coming up. Oh, uh, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Whoa. Anyway, uh, then uh, I had to cover my hand because something like that happens in the film. I forgot nice. about that too, actually. Right, sorry. Let's, uh, we're winding down here. Let's talk about it. When does it come out? November 10th, uh, Netflix, 190 countries. It is a Brazilian film. I shot it in Brazil for 46 days. And and when people say, man, Rio, <laughs> no, I was in the other part they called the, uh, the toilet of Brazil called <laughs> Pernambuco, who, by the way, I found the people to be amazing. I spent, uh, half the time there, um, and had a, a, a great time in Pernambuco, it comes out November 10th. It's called O Matador, like, you know, like a matador, which basically means the killer in English. And um, I play gringo, the only, I may add, only American or English speaking, truly American in the film. So that was kind of fun. Will we find it as O Matador or the killer? Uh, probably O Matador. Okay. In, I don't know. It, it, it's big. It's their very first full-length feature and i have to tell you for bco who was the um cinematographer and marcelo um i can't ever pronounce his last name gala amazing i mean we had drones we had just an amazing amount of people and i've seen some pretty amazing stuff happen like uh two or three years ago i was in mumbai and shot a bollywood film that's really huge and they were working with the red camera people and same people on this film and just phenomenal look. Phenomenal. Oh, Matador coming out on Netflix, November 10th. Hey, and one more thing coming up. I've got, I was just cast in a new film as a lead called iBot. Look out for that one coming soon. iBot. Cool. Thank you for your time, Will. All right, brother. You can get all the details and links about actor and comedian Will Roberts in our show notes. Music's always been important to me, but you should know that by now. When I'm walking, clown or moon. I like listening to a lot of different music. I thought I'd let artists and bands submit their music to the podcast of thousands, and we'd showcase it for them in each episode. Here's a song called My Love by the indie rock alternative band Social Gravy, who are from Los Angeles. I picked this song from Social Gravy because they're from LA, and like Gravy, their music is so good. If you like it, you can get all the information you need about Social Gravy in our show notes. Enjoy.
You've been listening to the podcast of thousands. If you're a performer and want to be on our show, check us out at www.podcastofthousands.com and click on Get On. Since you're already online, check us out on Apple Podcasts. Make sure to rate us, five stars or higher, and leave us your comments. You can find all the details in our show notes. Thank you very much for listening, and to all you performers out there, break a leg.